there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. So, welcome back, folks, to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with me, Rob O'Donoghue. I know I say that at the start, but I genuinely mean it. Welcome back if you've been here before. If not, welcome to the first show. You have certainly some catching up to do, so please listen to the back catalogue. But great to have you along. In this episode, I have a conversation with Fabio Agrassi. So Fabio is an executive coach and teacher at the Irish Management Institute. And he also runs his own companies where he has the aspiration of inspiring meaningful change in people. The companies are called Core Ideas and Geode. So Fabio is, without doubt, uh, one of the most interesting characters I've met in a long time. He was a lecturer on the executive coaching diploma that I've recently done and found him uh, certainly inspirational in the way he taught and the way he trained and uh, was delighted to get him uh, to agree to do the show. His background is interesting. He's been a musician, an engineer, a chef. He was also an officer in the Italian army, and we touch on all of this during the conversation. Uh, He mentions lots of lessons and turning points, I suppose, along the way that he faced as he developed his own career during the years in those positions. He always had a passion for teaching, something he said was ignited by the movie Dead Poet Society in the 80s, which is an absolute amazing film uh, and I love the fact that he mentioned it because it's one of my favorites of all time. He started working for IBM in the late 90s. From there he was able to get into a role that started to move towards his purpose around teaching and training and within a year in that role he made great progress and from there he continues his journey into understanding and helping people be better. In 2006 Fabio took another change or Uh, advancement in his career and that's when he started with the IMI and over the last 10 or so years he's continued to grow and develop within that role. He talks about many of the learnings during our conversation that he's acquired during that time, some of the mentors, some of the influences that he's had and I'm sure you'll find it really uh, enthralling, Uh, maybe that's just me, but I know there were so many learnings and takeaways that uh, I got out of our conversation that I didn't even know prior to meeting with Fabio. He leaves us with one kind of key takeaway that he calls a gem, and without me going into any more detail on that, please hang around for the latter part of the episode when he will discuss that, and hopefully it's something that you could apply in your own life that could make you 1% better. So Fabio, thank you again for your time. I know we recorded this in January, so sorry it's coming out so late. We hope it was worth the wait. And to everyone listening, please enjoy. And as always, I'd love to hear your feedback on the show. Hi there, guys. Welcome to uh, another edition of the 1% Better podcast with me, Rob O'Donoghue. I am uh, delighted to introduce my guest for this uh, this edition, uh, Fabio Grassi, uh, who is a, an executive coach, uh, facilitator, and as you'll hear, many other things. Uh, I met Fabio um, on executive coaching training that I'm currently taking. Uh, this week, I cornered him and asked him to uh, come on to the show because I believe he has some some good nuggets of information oh. that uh, that he can share. So welcome, Fabio. Thank you for for thank you for having me. So Fabio, given that uh, given I gave you the introduction, I think it'd be good for folks before we get into executive coaching mm. and some of the tools or techniques that you certainly can share mm. to maybe get a a flavour of who Fabio is, mm. where you came from, give us a bit sure. of a life story. You know, I know it probably could take hours, but let's it probably could, yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep it short. Well, my background is uh, unusual; is in engineering, believe it or not. And um, obviously, I've been in the. Uh, I'm from Italy, and uh, I spent about a couple of years as an officer in the army there before uh, I um, I went into into you know full employment, if you want to call it that way. And uh, I came to Ireland in '94, so it's about 22 years at this stage. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I had to kind of change completely what I was doing because at the time uh, 
English wasn't really uh, my forte, let's say. So yeah. before I could uh, have a fluent English uh, enough to be able to work in engineering, it took me a little bit of time working as a chef in a, in a number of different restaurants and hotels and things like that. Around Ireland? Around Ireland, okay. absolutely, yes. Mm. And so that's uh, that's pretty much my background. And um, so engineering with this uh, this idea of uh, mm. of, of uh, working for uh, for the Italian army as an officer, which was probably one of the most interesting experiences throughout the my my career in a sense. When you were in school and you were growing up, what mm. what, what what was your vision for the future? Was <laughs> it to go into the army? Was it something different? It'd be good to know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I think uh, at some point uh, I'm sure there was. Uh, to play in a band, right? <laughs> and, you definitely uh, have the look of a, a rock rocker. I think I'll, I'll take a picture and share that at the end. But uh. Uh, yes, there definitely was. There was this, uh, this dream of being on a stage and, uh, and playing in a band, and uh, so much so that probably I I was influenced a lot by. Um, by going to music school so basically I okay. actually it was a point in time in which I would, would have probably been able to play six to seven different instruments wow. right I studied classical guitar for about six years and I played the trumpet at some point the drums and all the rhythmical systems so I had a, I had a, I had a bit of a, of a of a go at, a, at the musical stage even though it never really kind of turned into anything right so at some point uh, I guess I was influenced to go into engineering because that's a safe job you can actually get a paid for it and right. <laughs> It has a better prospect, I guess. That was um, uh, was the direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I didn't really have a, a, a very clear vision, I think, for a long time, to be honest. Right. But I do think that there was uh, there was a, a moment uh, in my youth, uh, probably quite early, actually, uh, that kind of gave me a, a strong inspiration, and that was um, uh, the watching the the, the movie um, that so that point society. And the um, yeah, brilliant movie. Yeah. Yes, the role of Robin Williams in that particular movie was really inspiring mm-hmm. for me in that time. And in, in some way, deep down, I had all the, always this uh, this uh, this desire to kind of be the kind of teacher that okay. is uh, is represented into into the movie, right? But more than everything, I think I was I was interested, and I didn't really know that at that time. I think I, I discovered afterwards. I was interested in this uh, this idea of. Uh, Developing independent independent thinking, okay. which I think is uh, possibly what we really need today. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of actually trying to conform to what everybody else thinks is the is the right way of doing things, it's really kind of developing. What is it that is important to you? What it is that, uh, mm-hmm. that you can uh, add value? Where can you make a difference? Mm-hmm. Where is it that you can? Uh, really do something that is meaningful to you but also is useful to others so that was really my inspiration at that time so like that's one of my favorite movies absolutely mm. it, it certainly resonated i think it was quite young when i watched it, it was something i'd watch regularly but on the independent thinking at what point do you think mm. we should start teaching independent thinking or is it something you can teach or promote because it's something probably not done yeah. up till you go to university in Ireland you know you're not yes. you're, you're learning from textbooks you're learning rote and you're just regurgitating a lot of that out to get yeah. your points to get into college so is something that you can be doing a lot yes a definitely I have uh, I have the strong belief that we something we should teach kids from as early as we can mm-hmm. and I know that this is a little bit of a difficult thing to do particularly for parents because obviously you know when they are very young you know <laughs> you, there is always this idea that maybe we need to control a little bit what they do and how they do it which is true yeah so obviously but I think it's also important to let them un- understand what processes are in play so it's about to me is about teaching kids at any uh, at any stage how to think what are the things that are involved into um, you know developing this independent thinking mm-hmm. how do we evaluate the situation maybe give them some kind of tools that they can play with within a safe environment until they have to go then you know uh, into the real world and have to do it for themselves so I think that is that uh, that definitely is something that we should teach as early as possible and possibly it's something that should be included into, into schools. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, to me, the, the, the fault of uh, education system today is that uh, we stick far too much on a curriculum, mm-hmm. right? And that curriculum, uh, you have to learn certain things in a certain way, and you are graded into into those kind of, uh, you know, uh, areas, right? While I, I, in my career, I learned that uh, we all have uh, different strengths that oftentimes are not tapped into. Mm. And um, and therefore, you know, we 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 lose the the opportunity mm-hmm. to give individuals uh, 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 an 
a chance mm-hmm. to to become successful in their life by using their strengths rather than almost kind of going against the current, right? And trying to do what everybody else wants them to do. And then, you know, yeah, maybe being successful, but in reality never being fulfilled or satisfied in their success. So there is this kind of element of uh, you need more, you need more, but it's not that you need more. It's that what you're doing is not really fulfilling. Mm. And therefore, that's where there is a fallback sometimes. Mm. So a lot of, I guess, what we would learn in school is, you know, when you do your exams, it's like a memory test. And yes. I know we talked about the, the left brain and the right brain. It's very yeah. left brain, I guess. Yes. When you're going it's linear, and, rational. Yeah. And which is, I mean, by the way, it's important to consider that as a part of what we bring to the point, but it's not the only part. Yeah. So we have the capacity to think linearly and uh, rationally, which is important, but we also need to appreciate we are also human. So we have uh, uh, another side to ourselves, which is this uh, creativity, this uh, abstract thinking, this uh, joining the dots, if you want to. And both things have, have an importance into the way we we develop ourselves in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely very very uh, insightful. Yes. Um, so I interrupted earlier. Sorry about that. Uh, it was you were just mentioning your time in the army, and I think it'd be cool yes. to get a little insight into. You yes. said it was very interesting. Uh, yes. What, what What was so spectacular about those couple of years? Was it a few years, or you want to give any yeah, stories? Yes, it was a couple of years from it maybe as well. Yeah, it was a couple of years, and it was interesting because uh, uh, again, when you're looking at things uh, with hindsight, obviously. You, you draw different uh, different type of connections than uh, when you have to start a journey. So in the journey, looking back at the journey, why was that important? How did that contribute to what I'm doing today? And I think that that experience in, uh, in the Army did contribute largely in what I'm doing today because uh, uh, I was doing, uh, I decided to go as a volunteer uh, in the um, in the officer um, role, which obviously didn't have that many um, places available, so I had the, okay. the, the the fortune to be able to be selected for it, and obviously they gave me a place, and um, I had to go through uh, the the training, which obviously is completely against my current belief, which is they actually teach you what do you need to do. So yeah. you, it's very strict the way mm-hmm. you, you're taught and the way you have, uh, you, you're expected to behave, right? So in a sense, was contradicting my own uh, um, my own yearning for this independent thinking. But right? at that time, was that independent thinking desire there or was it just... Yes, there was. There was already this desire to be independent in the way right, right. we're looking at things. Yet again, I thought... Uh, the fact to actually have uh, worked through that very strict structure uh, gave me the opportunity to be able to compare, uh, you know, the free for all type of thinking versus the uh, rigid structure, and then obviously contribute for uh, to me arriving to a point where I say actually there is a healthy balance somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's part of this kind of all moving forward together towards a common objective to be able to kind of enter a structure without forgetting that we do have individual perspective as well, mm-hmm. which are important to uh, improve and uh, innovate those structures as we move along in our evolution. So there is a healthy balance between the two things, right? Okay. But I think uh, what really was important for me to learn in that, uh, in that experience was uh, uh, the fact that... Uh, uh, you know, there, there, there is a, an easy way to lose our humanity. And uh, and being able to kind of see each other as humans is probably the most, imp- most important factor in engaging with each other. And, and I say this because at the time I volunteered and I was paid for doing the job that I was doing, right? Uh, but we were uh, in, a, in a situation where in Italy we had the constrictions, which means that uh, everyone had to go through the military service, right? Conscription, isn't it? Conscription, yeah. 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 Compulsory. Sort of Compulsory, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I ended up having to lead uh, a unit uh, of, um, of people that uh, didn't want to be there, right? That was the one year that I had to do that I was between, uh, uh, you know, their uh, youth and their... Uh, rest of their life and because they they were uh, having to do this uh, service obviously they lost uh, job opportunities in other places maybe they wouldn't pay for it because obviously everything was provided to them in the sense that uh, you know they had uh, um, you know living uh, quarters they had food and everything else provided for so they 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 they, they said they did not provide them with any real salary so there was you know mm-hmm. this idea of economically is not really a, a good choice even though you can live off it or off it you don't really have to put anything aside you don't have any spare money to be able to do some other things right, right, right. so they did you know they, they, from a motivational perspective motivation was really I don't want to be here okay. so. And I found myself in there with all these, uh, you know, values that have been instilled through my training. And I say, but these guys don't want to be here. 
And uh, and therefore, I spend a lot of time trying to understand their position, trying to understand what can we do in order to kind of achieve common goals in a situation whereby they don't want to be there, and I had to get them to do certain things, right? Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting from that perspective to understand how do I get to engage with people? How do I get them to follow? How do I get them to work with me to obtain some kind of common goals, mm-hmm. even though the the ultimate goal is might be different for each one, so we have different agendas, mm-hmm. right? How can we collaborate? to kind of help each other through it. Okay. So there is this kind of, uh, you know, idea that uh, there is always a way to engage with each other okay. to a common purpose in a sense, right? So that was really interesting because it opened up that space for me. So when I finished uh, the military service uh, uh, two years later, um, and I entered the world, uh, the, the world of work, if you want to, in a more permanent position, there was this... Um, this experience in this completely different environment whereby, you know, mm-hmm. there is this kind of evaluating you for your, the work you do and uh, mm-hmm. this managing these performances and then having to learn about, uh, you know, that actually, you know, there is, uh, there is this hierarchy, but the hierarchy is much more flexible than it is in the army. And, yeah. and so it was a little bit of a, of a shock, to be honest, right? And right. it took me a while before, uh, before I could actually set my, my eye on something very specific that I wanted to do. Right, and and I think uh, the the opportunity that I got came from another very rigid infrastructure, which is uh, IBM. So okay. uh, that's I, in Ireland. That's in Ireland. Okay. Yes, that's yeah. in Ireland. In uh, I think in ninety seven, ninety eight, right. was a great opportunity because it gave me the opportunity to rediscover my uh, my inspiration of being that uh, teacher. Right. So okay. uh, immediately when I entered uh, IBM, I, I discovered that I. I I, I like this idea, this idea of helping others to learn, right? So the role you went into there was... I wasn't, actually. No, I started as a, as a customer service in okay. the beginning, a uh, representative, right? right? But I was really fascinated by the role that these other, uh, these trainers were uh, were taking of teaching us about, uh, right. you know, computers, products, services, and things like that, right? And some of them didn't have a, an engineering background. So for mm-hmm. me, it was really fascinating the fact to think that you can actually be a trainer or with, without having to have the specialization, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, because you develop the skill, obviously, not because uh, you just invent, because uh, they develop the skills for you to become, uh, you know, an expert in a particular area. So uh, so my, my objective almost immediately became, okay, I'm going to give it a, a shot and I'm going to wait a year, right? But uh, within this year, I want to be able to see if I have an opportunity to enter the training department. Okay. And that for me was what really changed my in the rest of my career, if you want. Right, right. Uh, from, from that on. At that point, and just, mm. we'll probably talk about goal setting or you yeah. know, as we kind of talk about coaching, setting yourself goals. But you said you were you gave yourself the year yes. to get there. And was that like something you said as a very aggressive goal target or was that a track record of other people getting in there and doing that or was this you coming in saying, I'm going to get this? No, I was, uh, I was uh, definitely was inspired by the, the trainers in the, in the room and the job that they were doing. And that kind of, again, woke, woke up my interest that, uh, that, uh, that, was, uh, that was triggered back in my youth with, with, with the movie. Um, you know that point of society yeah. and I said to myself I really like to have that job I really want to go there so there was this kind of uh, very deep sense of motivation mm-hmm. I want to be in that role and there was a determination about it at the time right and it is a determination that I didn't really have that often before then you know what I mean mm-hmm. it was really clear to me okay. this is really what I want to do and uh, and I thought that uh, uh, you know, was something that was achievable, mm-hmm. and and I went for it. So uh, uh, I think uh, probably close to the year uh, being over, uh, they they advertised for a, a position available, okay. well, several positions available in the training department. Right, they were going to open the sales center, call center. So there were some positions available in there, and I went for it. And I remember again the amount of the time that I put into building the case for me to be. Uh, you know, consider mm. for that position, and uh, what that involved, like to build that case, was it like kind of influencing others, just getting your own skill set? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a mix there. There was a little bit, obviously, in influencing the right the right people to give me the opportunity to go and and, and demonstrate what I had. The other one was obviously being able to demonstrate that I had the skill to do it. Yeah. So at the time, obviously, you know, we were talking about a typical PowerPoint presentation yeah, and yeah. Uh, trying to give them an idea of uh, what are your teaching skills or your uh, training skills and things like that. So there was uh, certain requirements in there. But I, I remember 
spending several evenings trying to think it through it right. and trying to pull the material together so that I would leave no space for doubts that I can do this job, right? Mm, yeah. and, and, and that, I think, paid out. So, and again, to me, there were two components in there. One is about the motivation to want it, yeah. and the other one was this, the determination of doing everything I could, right, mm. to influence positively the decision, right? Yeah. So, but, you know, I had control over, over very few things, which was, you know, the presentation and the way I delivered it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, then how did I respond to the interview? So preparing those three pieces was really important, right? Yeah. Obviously, the help of people around me give me suggestion about what it was that I could do or I couldn't do and what, would, what they were looking for, that was really important because it gave me mm-hmm. uh, the steering towards the right direction. But um, yeah, and I at the time I got the job, which was great. Yeah, yeah, it worked. Because I think one of the things we talked about even this week about having that self belief that you are the right person for the the job and leaving no stone unturned. That when you actually get up there and present yeah. and you believe in yourself, that comes across Absolutely. with passion. So Absolutely. if you don't believe in yourself or haven't given everything to it, that will obviously come across as Absolutely. well. So and now no, let's be honest, baby. It doesn't uh, you know it doesn't always. Uh, go in the right direction, course, right? Yeah. But obviously, you give yourself the most chances you can in order to get there. Yeah. And if it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't succeed. That's okay. Is is understanding what could have done differently, and then obviously looking at a right. Let's see if I can get another opportunity here. But luckily enough, that time went uh, went on really well, and I and I got what I wanted, which was uh, which was fabulous. And actually, I remember feeling I I was feeling exhilarated yeah. by getting the job, right? And uh, and in some way, I thought uh, I was a little bit also disappointed. Mm. Because in my in my mind, say, okay, I wanted to be a teacher forever, right? And now you're there. And now I'm there. Mm. So what's now? Yeah. So there's almost like the sense of okay, I got it, and now what? Is it an anticlimax <laughs> or a gap or there's a yeah. sense of yeah, I know, right? I, I can relate. And and that was that was that was really interesting because I thought okay, well you know is is this it? Mm. Another one of of uh, of the the people that influenced my way of thinking possibly would have been uh, Richard Bach is uh, is an author that wrote a, a wonderful little book, which was uh, uh, the Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Okay. And uh, and again, there is a whole philosophy behind Richard Bach's uh, way of, of 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 writing and uh, the content of what he writes. And it's interesting because uh, you know one of the, the, the his proposition was that you know uh, if you're still alive, that means you haven't achieved your uh, your your life purpose, right? Okay. So I was okay. Well, I'm still alive. So obviously, I'm not there yet. There's something else I need to do, right? Okay. It was really funny to be honest. Almost like, in, the, in some way, it was very childish the the talk, yeah. right? Right. But uh, I I thought that way. We'll say okay. Well, let's let's see what happens in here. Let's start doing this okay. job and see where where does it lead me. Mm. And again, a, 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 a number of different things happened at that point in time. But I think uh, um, the, the the confidence that came out out of that uh, t- getting that job was that. Uh, now I knew that if I if there was something important to me, I could put in all my effort into it. As I motivate myself to do take the right steps yeah. until I get what uh, what is it that what I, that I wanted, yeah, right? Brilliant. And uh, it's interesting because then there is a, there's been a lot of other uh, experiences that happened throughout that uh, career in IBM that spanned basically nine years, right? And uh, that's that's the reason why I've been able to get in contact with emotional intelligence, and yeah. that's opened up a huge amount of other um, uh, of other opportunity for me, if you want. To. Mm-hmm. And a similar thing happened to me then in 2006 when uh, uh, I was to the point where say that it's it felt the life was stuck. Right. Right. And you were in this role of nine years. Or so well, uh, role obviously evolved into okay. becoming a, um, a senior um, trainer first, and then an um, um, education consultant mm-hmm. and a facilitator in the European EMEA organization. Mm-hmm. So the, the the role evolved sure. still within the learning and development uh, um, area, if you want to, but evolved into 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 something to be more important. Uh, I at the same time though. I never really, I didn't really see the progression of what I, uh, I was giving to the organization was uh, aligned with what I was getting from the organization. Mm-hmm. So there was the yearning to move forward, but it felt that, uh, you know, there was a, a, a stop point in there, right? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't feeling that I was going as fast uh, moving forward as I wanted to be. So mm. there was this question, you know, what am I going to do here, right? Mm. Can I just ask, sure. it's interesting because... 
when you were going through that journey in in the corporate environment yeah. was was your 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 goals always to stay potentially in the the track of going up and up in the ladder in the corporate environment or was there that urge or, or, or kind of underlying feeling underneath to say I, I'd rather I'd love to do this on my own was it a, a bit of both or were you entertaining that idea um, no I don't think I was entertaining the idea of doing this on my own yet at that stage but okay. uh, there was the, there was something about uh, this idea of uh, values mm-hmm. Uh, values in the sense that uh, you know the, uh, the organization at the time was under uh, Luke Gerstner um, um, leadership right which was uh, to me was a wonderful experience so they just came through the the whole process of uh, re, re reviving the IBM values mm-hmm. and I put all my effort into into that process right but then I started noticing those values were um, were not always lived to the full. So those values, I was teaching them to the new arts. I was teaching them to the people that were going through my training. I was, uh, you know, trying to leave them myself. Yeah. But then I, I saw that in certain areas of the business, there were, uh, there were, you know, disconnection from the values. Right. Like it happened in most organizations. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, I didn't know because that was my, uh, you know, my first uh, larger corporate to, to sure. deal with. Yeah. Now, now that I had the experience of having worked with a number of different other corporate, mm-hmm. right, I think it's something that is very, very common. Okay. So there are these uh, lovely set of values and then uh, the challenge is how do we turn that values into a real culture yeah right? and that's uh, obviously there was a, there was a disconnect so right. that disconnect I think started to get uh, get me to think about is this the right place for me to be and was was there any conflict in your values versus their the company values no or not necessarily no okay. not necessarily I think the, the value that the company held were really aligned with what I wanted to be okay. it's probably was the different market I think Right. So if you think think about IBM, IBM is a sales organization, really, right? And uh, my my evolution was in the in the learning and development. Mm-hmm. So I felt that there was a mismatch, not so much in the value, but in the in the purpose and the direction, okay. right? So I thought it was the time to leave, basically. And uh, and I was looking for what am I going to go to? And it just so happened that somebody told me that uh, there was uh, positions available in IMI, and again. When I inquired and think, uh, in, in the IMI, I, re- I realized that uh, they were looking for a third-level degree, which at the time I didn't have. Okay. So I, I, I would have had in Italy what we, you, call, you call the living search, right? Yeah, yeah. But Italy is a little bit different because you do this uh, um, direction and specialization that at the end of it gives you a technical maturity or an engineering maturity. Or, so they're much more uh, specific. So you actually have a certificate. Maybe more that like tells, the UK, I think, have similar yeah. levels in the specified one area or another exactly area. so my, my, my field was uh, you know electrical technical engineering so there was uh, there was an expertise in there that I could give away right okay. but I didn't have a third level degree right. so and what that was a prerequisite in order to enter the organization in here and uh, I remember that uh, you know part of me was saying okay uh, that's no point of me applying right. part of me say well, you know, you can only try. What's there to lose? Like, What's there to lose, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's put the best foot forward and see where it goes. Yeah. And it just so happened that basically I got the interview. Okay. And uh, in the interview, I've been able to show my skills, my interests. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a very long selection of three different interviews, I actually got the job. And I couldn't believe it myself. Crazy. And again, like for the previous time in IBM when I became a, a, a trainer, you say, wow, I didn't realize that there was a deeper... <laughs> yeah, yeah. steps uh, you know another step that sure. I could take in here right yeah. so that was uh, was really interesting and, uh, and and I think to me it was interesting because again the whole process was about the fact that uh, I focus on what was important to me mm-hmm. and I tried to do the best I could to do to show what I can can do, mm-hmm. and that paid off. Brilliant, yeah. yeah. And obviously, you're not deterred by the potential the, the list of requirements that were needed. You you know that sometimes yes, in many cases, obviously would be a, a blocker. But yes, know, well, you see, too. at that point in time, I think there was something else to stand up to me, which was the experience within the organization. So yeah. within the organization, not only as a trainer, but as a consultant uh, across. The, the the wider um, worldwide organization I think was was uh, uh, was really stand up to my experience if you want to so okay. what I didn't have academically um, speaking I had experience wise. Okay. 
now obviously you know once I I came to IMI then to work as a as a as a trainer then uh, I had the opportunity also to be to 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 close that gap of uh, you know doing a master in okay. organizational behavior so in in a sense uh, I built up my experience and I took the opportunity to build up further on yeah. it you know what I mean Brilliant. and then uh, you know when it came the time for me to 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 become uh, an independent set of my company as I have at the moment yeah. I think uh, you know while there were a number of different fears I think uh, I, co- I went back to the, the same idea that, you know what, yeah, fears are always going to be there. Mm. But, uh, you know, unless you take the, 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 uh, the courage to face that fear yeah. and take the, the key steps that you need to take in order to overcome it, mm. right, uh, you're not going to go move forward. So mm. um, that was, was, a, was, a, was, a, was a critical change for me. Okay. And, uh, and it paid off too. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy with what I do right now yeah. and it's working out for me and it's kind of, I'm looking to, to build on top of it again. You so know? still so. back to the, the purpose. Yeah, yeah you know, this is the thing. You know, yeah. what's, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it seems that every time you open a door, yeah. there's another world opening up to it, right? Yeah. So yeah. there is another level to go to, another, another, another journey to explore. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. Yeah. The, the, the final purpose, I think, is uh, I'm not going to know until the last minute. Right. <laughs> Probably. Just your last few breaths will come then. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully yeah. he doesn't look back and re- regret. It doesn't sound like you have any regrets anyway. So. Uh, no, I don't believe in regrets. I Good. think, uh, you know, you can look back as much as you want and say, if I did that, if I did that, if I did that. But you know what? Yeah. If you did all those things, you wouldn't be here. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the you're the collection of the choices that you've made to come where you are today. Yeah. And I think it's important to accept that. And uh, regrets... Uh, in, in a sense, denies that uh, you shouldn't be here, you should be somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, right? True. So all of a sudden, it makes it wrong. And it's, uh, so it's, it's not useful. Yeah. I'm looking at that and I, and I say, no, it's not, it's not useful to have regrets. Maybe you, what you could ask differently is, all right, so, you know, it's not what I expected, mm-hmm. right? So what can I make out of this? True. So to me, this is, again, a valuable learning throughout this journey, which was about uh, how can I reframe the situation, mm-hmm. right? To look at, at it into in a way that is more useful to me to progress forward. Okay. Yeah. So to me, this idea of reframing. Yeah. yeah? Reframing. And I think uh, one thing that I always like to to bring in, particularly in the in the diploma and coaching, is this idea that it doesn't matter if you're looking at the glass half full or half empty. The important thing is you got a glass and there is something in it. Yeah. This for me is a critical way of looking at life that uh, gives you the opportunity to move forward very quickly. Brilliant. Cool. So. We're in the coaching now, right? We're yes. right up to speed. Um, yeah. So what do you love about coaching? What what excites you the most about <laughs> coming in here and meeting characters like me and others that uh, are, are very passionate about you know the whole journey as well? What what, yeah. what, what would you kind of target but there? To be coaching speaks the, uh, straight down to this idea of uh, independent thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is uh, an untapped amount of resources we all have. And oftentimes we are blinded by distractions, uh, whether it is other things that happen to our life, whether it is, you know, the kind of conformity that we are demanded on uh, because we have to, you know, be accepted into uh, the work environment, the work culture, maybe the society and things like that. So there is a lot of barrier we put for ourselves in order to uh, maybe achieve some kind of happiness that we're looking for, right? So when I'm thinking about coaching, what I'm thinking about is how can I help somebody to overcome that perspective and really look at the wealth resources we actually have internally mm-hmm. yeah. and that can help us to to do anything and again maybe sometimes i feel that i'm exaggerating say that we can do anything we want to it's not so much about doing anything we want to but it's doing something that is relevant mm-hmm. something that is important not just to ourselves, but to the people that are around us. You know yeah. what I mean? So I don't think it's about, uh, uh, you know, fulfilling a, a, a personal need or a personal want, but it's about fulfilling a, a, a place we have in this world that if you want to be here, you know, nobody would take. You know what I mean? So we have a, I think we have a uniqueness about each one of us. And that individual uniqueness as a contribution to make to society, to the work environment, to any situation. So what is it that, you know, you are here for? What, what are you meant to contribute to, mm-hmm. right? And I think uh, being able to, to find that or discover it, which is not something that, I, you know, I know it today and tomorrow, uh, I don't know it today and tomorrow I'll know it, right? It's not mm-hmm. something that is like a on and off. Sure. It's something that's more of an exploration. Yeah. It's something that uh, day by day we build on top of it, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and therefore, you know, I think the coach, uh, the, coach the, the work of the, the coach is really not to tell people what to do, 
but it's helping them find uh, their opportunity in life that uh, uh, will really fulfill their uh, their purpose, yeah. their meaning. You know, so it's much deeper to me as a as a job. And I, again, I I think I came about first in uh, within the IBM uh, infrastructure when I was in the learning development uh, in in IBM, but. Uh, it's been a thread throughout this experience that I had as a uh, as a trainer and as a teacher, and uh, and it def- therefore it's become really important to me. Is the best tool that I have in my in my toolbox to help somebody learn and move forward, basically. Okay. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you find challenging around a coaching profession, or, or is there oh, a big yeah. thing that's kind of sticks out? It's a constant challenge. Yeah. And maybe that is the what makes it even more uh, more interesting. Sure. Because you know most uh, uh, most jobs, if you want to put it that, they have a uh, kind of a, a pattern to it. Process, you know what I mean? There is a process. Follow, there yeah, might yeah. be some steps, right? What I found really interesting about coaching is that uh, no no two coaching sessions are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the coaching session is that is directed pretty much by the person is in front of you that you're coaching, and because we're all different, you're always going to have different things. Of course, there are common threads. Yeah, but uh, for the majority of it, there is this uh, you know eclecticism of perspective, of experiences, of um, uh, of skills and strengths mm. and capabilities. So it is very, very, very varied as a uh, as a, um, as a as a job, if you want, or as a as a uh, as a practice. And, and because of that, it's also challenging. Sure. So I can't really kind of use the same approach that I did with one person with another one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you really need to pay attention to who's in front of you. Yeah. What is the best uh, approach here to help this person achieve what they want to achieve? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I find that is uh, that is challenging, but at the same time, is very fulfilling because it engages you throughout the whole process. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You're not stepping back at any point in time. You're fully in it. Yeah. And therefore, it's, it's, it's extremely fulfilling. You know? yeah. You're fully you have to show up all the time, right? Because you have to show up all the time. You cannot not be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Excellent. So I guess the topic or the theme is kind of 1% better. I think you've given lots mm. of really good, interesting insights that people could take on board. As it relates to any specific areas within coaching that mm. a listener could say, apply this tool or technique or trick in their day-to-day life, either professional yeah. or personal. And I think for me, I know some of the stuff I've learned has massively helped me personally as well as potentially yeah. professionally. Anything that you would like to, to share that uh, people could take away? I think, uh, you know, and again, I'd like to make it very, very simple and specific. And I know we talked about this uh, uh, in the program, yeah. which is the idea of the jam, right? And uh, But I would even go further than that. So when we talk about the jam is this idea that uh, there are, if you do, there are three things that uh, I think everybody uh, can benefit from, mm-hmm. right? If I spend the time to uh, to take a, to, to keep a journal uh, uh, on a, on a consistent basis, uh, uh, do exercise on a consistent basis, and meditate on a consistent basis, I think that would be uh, would be something that uh, anybody can get some some positive benefit from it. Mm-hmm. But I think out of those three, if I look at them closely, I think the journaling one probably is the is the one that. Uh, uh, that I will start from mm-hmm. because uh, not only is it easy to do, but uh, it's uh, there is a, an, an interesting value. And if I go back into my experience, yeah. uh, those moments of uh, bigger transformations are those moments in which that journaling was most active for uh, for myself. So mm-hmm. uh, th- th- this idea of uh, stopping before going to bed and kind of uh, um, you know write down about uh, what happened today. Mm-hmm. What was great, and uh, you know, what what would you like to change about what you're doing? Yeah. Right. So, and again, there are different way of journaling, to be yeah. honest. But I mean, to me, it's about uh, putting down on a page what's what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. It's uh, as as a, such a power because it kind of uh, free up your awareness, mm-hmm. and when your awareness is free, then uh, you can make space for other things to emerge. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, oftentimes, I think, especially today, with the amount of information that we have been uh, exposed to, our brain tend to be overloaded most of the time. So, yeah, yeah. this idea of offloading what's on your uh, mm-hmm. awareness on a day-to-day basis create more space to become uh, aware to what actually is important and relevant. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Uh, two, two things on the journey. I, I've started... I tried it last year, mornings journaling. Mm. The last two months, I've kind of done it at night. Yeah. Um, one page, two pages. Started to get into the habit of almost scoring the day out of ten. Yeah. Uh, which I find, I find it better. Yeah. It's just getting stuff out. 
do you is there probably guidelines but would you reflect would you ever look back on what you wrote the day before or the week before is there any value <laughs> in doing that I, I actually try not to although yeah. I do look at the scores sometimes see if I'm having a consistent trend of having good or bad days but um, yeah, yeah I'm interested to see would you as, as your own practice look back ever or is it just kind of a brain dump and, there was a um, there was a process or an approach that I used a long time ago that uh, I thought was extremely effective and came from a guy called Brian Tracy right <laughs> And I know that this might sound silly, but I think uh, I think there is a lot of value. And he was talking about writing ten goals every night, right? Uh, in uh, with the three P's in the personal, uh, personal, positive, and uh, present. So as if they were already there, right? Okay. Personal in the sense that I take ownership, and um, um, so personal, present, and. Um, and positive, so in is what you want rather than what you don't want. Okay. okay? So and it's interesting because what uh, what he says is to never look back mm-hmm. at the pages, but you write ten every day without looking at what you wrote yesterday. Okay. And uh, the concept, the, the idea that he has is that as you keep writing them day by day, there are going to be some of those goals that become. Uh, you know, a, a consistent feature. Right. So the one that are really relevant and important to you tend to emerge, okay. while the one that are less important tend to kind of fade Fall away. Away. And I thought that was an interesting way of doing it, right? And I did for for a number of different times, uh, you know, for a long period to be honest. And uh, and I can say that was really really powerful to me. Mm-hmm. So that would be one of the things that I that I would suggest doing. Write your goals. Don't worry about whether or not they're realistic, not realistic. Whatever. Just mm-hmm. write them every day. Ten of them. In right. the present, personal, and uh, and positive, and see what happens. What what does emerge, right? Okay. And the other thing I think you mentioned that you know, right in the evening, right in the morning. I think that uh, right, uh, there is space for both, mm-hmm. because I think there is a moment in uh, in the morning before we kind of get into the day to day that uh, it's almost like we are in the kind of. Uh, you know the, the twilight zone type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So there's something magical about that moment, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think a lot of ideas are coming up, and that you know probably is because we had a nice, nice rest, and uh, therefore the subconscious start to you know yeah. make sense of everything that we lived the day before. So there is a power on that uh, stream of consciousness riding yeah. in the morning, as much as it is doing the the goals in the evening. Yeah. So I would use those two things as a, as a typical approaches, right? Mm. But then again, it's a very personal thing. So sure. I think everybody should try several methodologies and see what works better for them you yeah. know and, and the other thing I just remembered again was you know in this age where we stop very rarely write at all yeah you know we're all very much typing uh, but physically the act of writing whereas in the past we would have been writing a lot more and we might be more yes. in the habit of, and then naturally unload stuff more but now in the technology world that we're in we do so much so, so less of that and as a result things are probably cluttered even more Absolutely. so when you do actually get into the like I can't read my writing at all but it's just yeah. more that it's coming out yes. and getting on, on the page so, yeah, and in a sense it's actually you're right there is this idea that if I write it on the page it's committed to uh, you know to memory in some way or another right yeah, yeah. and it's in a funny way because you might not go back and read it right mm. but because you wrote it it actually crystallized the thought mm. our brain is capable to think uh, you know so fast and oftentimes uh, make thoughts that are really difficult to get a grasp on the moment but the moment that I write it down I that, that thought is crystallized yeah. therefore uh, it's also almost a way to uh, to sort yeah. information and let everything fall away apart from what's important the yeah. moment you write it down that's what's important really you know Perfect. so it's a way to kind of really uh, you know sieve through the real the, re- the relevant information yeah. rather than having to hold on to everything you know mm-hmm. and you probably sleep way better as well I would say so I have no <laughs> doubt about that you sleep well enough <laughs> anyway. but, um, so I think that that's the key takeaway right I know there's Absolutely. been others but it, I think we've gone into journaling and it's something I would hope people take away and get into yes. the habit of um, just to kind of wrap up the session I might just throw a few questions your way around sure. a bit more about you I know you're passionate about photography yes um, you know what? what's your favourite place to take pictures Where, where's oh. that I know, I know you do a lot in Ireland but like is there yes. one place that sticks out well at the moment I have to say the west of Ireland is my my, my little you know, favorite place. Well, there are a few. I have to say, there are a few because uh, you know you you always look for a, for a new place. But I think uh, you know the Wicklow Mountains definitely are a fabulous place. There is the uh, you know Loch Tay is probably one of my favorite places to go to. Uh, it's very it's very fascinating. There is the, the, this kind of atmosphere, and but I think probably if I were to really make a you know which one is the best one of all, 
I think probably uh, Paul Nabron in, Ca- in County Clare, okay. right? That is uh, where the doorman is. And uh, if you go there at night, there is nobody. There's no tourists, right? And uh, I can set up my 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 my, my, my camera to take uh, a number of different shots and maybe stay there and wait a couple of hours for uh, for the trails to kind of being uh, being captured. Okay. And you can just sit down, and uh, there is a quietness, you know. Mm-hmm. And there is a very a very spiritual quietness. So mm-hmm. the actual place in itself, the the purpose of the place and everything I think it contributes to create the kind of sense of atmosphere and calm and quietness I think it's the best place to be you know especially if your photography are nice yeah. you know cool very interesting you're obviously an avid reader uh, yes <laughs> if you uh, if I had if you had to give one book away to somebody your best friend at Christmas any you know anyone that sticks Ooh. out and I know that's, <laughs> that's a tough question I know <laughs> I have about a million favorite books. I'm scared this week alone. I think I wrote down about 25 books I need to read. So uh. no, you don't need to read any of those. Okay. I, I think that there are some books that are that are I think are, are, are milestones, pearls, pearls of wisdom, okay. as as we used to call them. And and again, it's difficult. I think. Uh, uh, you know, my youth would tell me again. Jonathan Livingston Siegel is uh, is a book that everybody should read, probably in their youth, probably right. And uh, another book that is again very small. This one is nothing uh, too to go too, too difficult to read, but I think is really speaks to our humanity. Is uh, Kylie Jamison, and the book is called uh, um, uh, The Nibble Theory and the Kernel of Power. The Nibble Theory. The Nibble Theory and, and the, the Kernel, Kernel of Power okay. is a wonderful book. Wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, and it does speak to our humanity. And I think more than everything speaks to this idea that uh, how often do we actually have this, uh, this independent thinking? How often do we let ourselves be led by what everybody else says or does, right? Mm. And uh, where do I find uh, that, uh, that Kernel of Power that give me the, the strength to stand up for myself and uh, and and be okay with what I, who I am, basically. Yeah. Uh, fabulous book, fabulous book, yeah. and it's very simple to read. It, it doesn't take long. It's very small, so it's one of those little gems that you find very rarely. But Excellent. definitely yeah, my favorite. I, I definitely one. haven't heard of that one, but um, I'll put it on my list. I'll try and find it. There you go. Um, I guess if you were to think about a piece of advice that jumps out, anything specific that comes into mind, if somebody has given you a piece of advice that you've mm. always carried through? Yes. And I guess he's my mentor that you and I am I, I think, uh, uh, always said one very interesting thing. Nobody argue with their own ideas. Right. Okay. You know? So if you have good ideas, you won't argue with yourself, right? Yeah. So that's for me is an interesting one to carry away with me. <laughs> was that Andrew? Eh? Was that from Andrew? Um, no, it wasn't oh, Andrew. Okay. Even okay. though Andrew did, did influence a lot of my thinking as well, uh, I think uh, was was a was a was a great mentor. My uh, Paul Donovan was there at AMI a few years ago, okay. and he's definitely one of the people that influenced a lot my my thinking and uh, and definitely as a positive influence in my career for sure. Excellent. You mentioned I, I love asking questions about movies. You've, you've mm-hmm. mentioned Dead Poets Society. So that's yes. kind of, I'm, I'm asking, uh, that was kind of preemptive. But and, yeah. any other films that stick in mind that you oh love? That, God, where do you start? I know, but it, it's like very... me, it, changes, <laughs> it changes all the time. But I guess maybe one that you've seen recently that uh, you'd recommend. Uh, um, but I'll tell you what, right? Actually, I'm going to go with this one because I think uh, that is one of those... Uh, um, movie that actually moved me in a, in a in a different way, even though it's not a real movie in so many different ways, and that is um, um, Avatar by James Cameron, Cameron yeah. right? And there's two more coming. Uh-huh. Just, and there's two more coming. And again, I know that now becomes you know a franchise and all those kind of things yeah, like that, yeah. and it's a little bit of a fantasy. But I think it speaks to some very fundamental understanding. Mm-hmm. Right. So while it is a fantasy uh, movie in so many ways, I think what he's trying, the message he's trying to deliver is really, really important, which is this idea that we are part of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, of the of this, uh, you know, this system that we call Earth. If you want to pull it that, we are not above, we are not below, we are part of it, right? And uh, what we are, I, I think there is this idea that we have this uh, uh, pretentiousness. 
uh, to be in charge, mm. right? Simply because self entitled or yeah, there's like this kind yeah. of idea of self entitlement we have above it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, therefore, you know, every resource is there for us to use and abuse, mm. right? And and I think we probably kind of uh, you know banging our head on it right right now in the, the situation in which we are uh, in these days with this abuse of resources. But the reality of the thing is very simple, and I think this is to me the movie speaks to this idea that my dad always said about uh, uh, that whether or not we want to accept it, right? Earth will exist mm -hmm. in the future, mm -hmm. maybe in a different shape, in a different form, in a different way. Mm -hmm. Whether or not we are there or not, Earth will still be there, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. and, and this is uh, something that I think is critical to understand because we need to earn our right to move along with the Earth history. Yeah. And right now, we are not doing ourselves any favor. Yeah, yeah. I think we are kind of playing ourselves out of this planet, mm -hmm. right? But not in the sense that we're going to get a ship and go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Is that uh, we are actually putting ourselves in a position of danger. Okay. And maybe maybe we are not going to be here to see it, right? Yeah, yeah. But it would be really sad that the, the, the legacy we leave to our children yeah. will be a herd that cannot be lived into. Sure. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. the sadness for me. And I think that movie speaks to that kind of idea that we are part of this herd. But the herd can say very quickly, Look, you're not useful anymore. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. sorry, but I need to survive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Cameron has multiple, I guess, levels going on and all Absolutely. And he's you know, he's a genius at what he Absolutely. does. Absolutely. And that's what really grabbed me about the movie. He really kind of moved me a lot uh, from that perspective. So okay. yeah. That's great. I think we've probably quizzed you enough for one Brilliant. day. At the end of another <laughs> busy week as well. So look, yeah. thanks so much for agreeing to come on um, thank you for having me again it's been really interesting there's been a few things that I've taken away there and selfishly uh, that's why I'm doing this but hopefully Great. somebody else gets something out of it hopefully um, so yes just if anyone wants to get in contact with you how would they do that is that something you want to share like uh, to LinkedIn or sure yeah well Fabio Grassi obviously is the is the name and uh, uh, very simply is uh, uh, Fabio at coreideas.org it's my website Perfect. and my website and also my, my, my email and the, the website obviously is coreideas.org brilliant Okay, that's the end of uh, today's edition, this week's edition. Thank you so much for listening in. Again, thanks to Fabio. Hey, folks. So if you're at this point, it means you got to the end of one of my episodes. Thank you for listening. It's, uh, it's great that you took the time to do so, and I hope you got something out of it. So I'm just going to wrap it up with a shout-out for feedback. As you know, the show is pretty new, and it's just growing, evolving, and your feedback is really important to me as I try and improve the show make it one percent better so please get in touch with feedback with questions that you may like me to put to guests in the future do you have a guest in mind that would be uh, really interesting to have on the show please let me know are there things that i could improve on are there things that are working and are there things that are not working even more so important I'd love to hear about it. I'm very open to feedback. So do please take a couple of minutes to get in touch. How can you do this? You can email me, rob at robofthegreen.ie. The comments section on the website, go there. That's www.robofthegreen.ie. And there's a feedback page. I'm on Twitter. The handle is at robofthegreen. I'm on Instagram, robofthegreen. Facebook, there's a page called robofthegreen. And if you're in Cork and see me out and about, please feel free to give me feedback verbally. Ideally positive or constructive. If it's of a violent or negative nature, either mental or physical, please refrain from, from that. I don't think that would uh, would be good. But um, all the other stuff I'm, I'm very open to. And the show is on iTunes and Stitcher, so it'd be great if you subscribe there so you'll constantly get updated episodes when I roll them out. So look, that's it. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a great day and implement some of the learnings in your everyday lives. Thanks so much. Bye.